Hey, this is Greg Renoff, author of Van Halen Rising, and you're listening to Rock Strikes 10. Hey folks, this is Sam Kennison, and you're listening to the one podcast that gets me up from the dead. It's Rock Strikes 10! You understand that, you whore? Oh! <laughs> you can't make jokes about the dead, you fucking dicks. What you are about to hear is a labor of love, our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rock Strikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock
Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. This was definitely a show that I was dreading to do. The the series of episodes we're going to do right here. I am going to be doing a three-part tribute to the now late great Edward Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, true icon the icon of icons the standard bearer the guy that changed music forever we were saying that long before he passed away you can just say the name eddie van halen or just van halen and you know anybody will know that you're talking about rock and roll that's how super important eddie van halen is and was and will forever be i'm recording this episode a couple of days after his passing 
I definitely would have not been able to do it the day of or the day after. I'm completely crushed by this news. I don't understand why we don't have a cure in my lifetime here. I don't understand why. But uh, he's gone, so the only thing I could really think to do and have it not be too bleak and not too down is to do something that I would have done normally, which is celebrate the man's catalog. And yeah, so that's what we're going to do here. And, you know, it's been said by many other people of higher prominence than myself, but all you got to do is look at the highest of highs and the most armchair of critics like myself, and you wouldn't have to look far to know that Eddie Van Halen truly was the best, the, the, the greatest guitar player of all time. I don't even think it's arguable. It wasn't arguable last week, and it's not arguable today, and it was barely arguable in the early 80s. You know, I could think of, like, the top ten best guitarists of all time off the top of my head, and he's number one. You might as well name the damn list after him, because it's just not fair <laughs> to anybody else. You know, Les Paul, Jimi Hendrix, Frank Zappa, people like that. Uh, but Eddie was the best, and that's saying something. Because those other people are true icons, true legends, and they all took the instrument of the electric guitar and did something different with it and made it the coolest thing in the entire world. I kind of went back and forth in my brain when I was a little kid uh, whether I wanted to be Eddie Van Halen or David Lee Roth. I kind of always wanted to be a mixture of both. I don't know how you could do both of those things simultaneously and still manage to put on a great show uh, because I feel like it's impossible. They're the two best at what they do. But with all that being said, Van Halen as a band, musically and individually, were super important to me. You know, really the first year or two of my musical awakening occurred very early on. I was born in 1979, and by the time 1983 rolled around, I was already really just super engulfed in music. That was the biggest thing in my life. I didn't have anything else going on. <laughs> I wasn't even in preschool yet, but I loved turning on the radio and setting the dial myself. And... It was probably due to my next-door neighbor, Sean, who I talked about when I did the Prince Tribute episodes. My friend, Sean George, who I'm going to dedicate this episode to as well. Yeah, I just remember him bringing over a tape, I'm sure, of Van Halen, and also just us talking about him. And right at the very end of 1983, going into 1984, Jump came out, and it changed my life completely. It was the coolest song I'd ever heard in my entire life, and most songs haven't even been able to compete with it since then. And yeah, like I said, I just wanted to be those guys. I wanted to be Eddie and Dave. And uh, I loved watching all of them. Mike and Alex, they just all put on a show. And just watching that video for Jump, and of course later on the videos for Panama and Hot for Teacher, like you wanted to be that band. It was the coolest, most fun band that had ever come around, ever. And still to this day, they truly don't make them like they used to. So yeah, okay. Gotta move on from the praising here. I mean, we did start off the show with a live version of Eruption, which was an extended, nice guitar solo live concert jam of Eruption. Of course, threw in some Cathedral right there in the middle, which I always love hearing. And that was from live Tokyo Dome in Concert, which is the last physical release of the band in Eddie's time. So, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a ton of Vault stuff coming out. I mean, I, I would think. But I know him and Alex are always pretty protective of that vault. So, But who knows? I feel like now is finally the time to shower the fans with everything that we could possibly get our hands on that this man did. That would be nice. So that that's my two cents right there. 
I got more sense to give. We're gonna, Like I said, we're going to do a three-parter here. So here's the structure of the three episodes. I have been planning to do this show in the back of my mind for a while now. I even started planting seeds for it a couple of years ago. So this particular episode, we're going to mostly play some odds and ends from the Van Halen catalog. Like, you know, something from a live album right there. And most of this episode is going to be odds and ends. But we're going to start in with ranking the catalog. I'm doing a very, very special Rock and Rank, Rock Strikes 10 special, super spectacular, where I rank all of the Van Halen albums in preference of my least favorite to my ultimate favorite. It's pretty easy to do. I got it done in two days. I actually have never known what the exact order of it is. I did not know it until late last night, and I'm recording it just this morning here on Thursday the 8th. I had a pretty good idea what my favorite of all time was, and I definitely had a pretty good idea of what my least favorite was, but I wasn't quite sure how that middle would turn out. So I was intrigued to do it, and I'm happy to do it here for you. Sadly, there are only 12 studio albums to count in the lifetime of Eddie Van Halen. Feels like a missed opportunity. It feels like wasted time, but I'm just glad we got the music that we got. So better that than nothing. Let's stick with the odds and ends here because, like I said, there's only 12 studio albums. So we'll play the bottom two uh, during this episode, and then we'll do the top 10 over the course of the next two episodes. How about it? All right, so, you know, kind of going to go in chronological order here as far as I could tell, you know, despite the first track there. I definitely wanted to open up, of course, with his signature piece, Eruption, and how could you not? I mean, there's no way you could pay tribute to Eddie Van Ham without playing Eruption. The solo that changed everything. Changed not just rock and roll and guitar playing, but music in general. Uh, but let's go back to the very, very beginning of the band. Well, not the very, very beginning. There's no... There's audio out there of them playing parties and keggers and stuff like that. And that stuff's really cool. You should definitely go look it up online. But let's go with the first time the band was ever in the studio. And that was uh, with this demo that they would wind up shopping around that was, you know, apparently produced by one of the guys that gets credit for discovering them, Gene Simmons of Kiss. So he produced this demo for Van Halen, basically just gave it to him. And because he was so busy... He didn't like lock him up in a shitty way and like sign some sort of weird contract or whatever to where he'd own a piece of them for the rest of their lives and whatever. He just let him go out into the world because he knew the world deserved to hear this band because they were the next big thing for sure. So, you know, Gene gets a lot of flack, but props to you, Gene, because he did the right thing by him. He did right by him and, uh, you know, open the door for him, shall we say. So yeah, Gene produced this demo, which contains stuff that uh, not so much would appear on their initial albums, but albums later on, like way later on, uh, you know. So this is a really neat demo in a sense that, and a lot of the fans in the circles call this Van Halen Zero, because it, you know, precedes Van Halen 1. A good amount of the material was reworked and refined and became some of the stuff for a different kind of truth. And this one I'm going to play right here wound up becoming a song way later on on the 1984 record. So yeah, let's play something from that old demo here. This is House of Pain.
right, that was House of Pain, the demo version from the mid-70s right there, produced by Gene Simmons of Kiss. And during that time, I know it's a pretty famous story that when Gene was bringing along Van Halen to do things, he actually recruited Eddie and Alex to record a handful of demos with him. I believe it was about three songs that wound up becoming two different Kiss songs later on, Got Love for Sale and Christine 16, and a song from the Gene Simmons solo album in 78, Tunnel of Love. And according to the things I've read over the years, the solo that Eddie Van Halen came up with during the Christine 16 demo was copied note for note by Ace Frehley on the studio version. So yeah, they even had a hand in influencing one of my favorite bands of all time. And really, Van Halen and Kiss are my two favorite American bands of all time. No doubt about that for sure. Going to get back to the chronological bit here after this song, because I wanted to play this one towards the beginning of the show. And kind of sticking with the Dave tip here for a little bit here. We're going to get into some Sammy stuff here on the Odds and Ends, because they definitely did more Odds and Ends releases with Sammy instead of Dave. But yeah, this one right here, I remember in 1996, speaking of Van Halen and Kiss, I mean, it was the ultimate year to be a fan of that band, or at least potentially it was. Kiss was back together with the original lineup and the makeup, playing big sold-out shows again. And on the horizon, it appeared that the original lineup of Van Halen was finally getting back together again. Dave, Eddie, Alex, and Michael. And they did that infamous appearance on the VMAs. I was head over heels just excited about everything that was going on. And it was just a fun time. And, you know, unfortunately that didn't happen. I mean, the missed opportunity that was getting back with Dave at that time, it just uh, didn't work out. The timing wasn't right, unfortunately. And I heard they even tried again in the early 2000s or late 90s. They even got to the recording stages, but nothing came out. According to Michael Anthony at one point, he said the lawyers killed it. So what that would have been as well. But like I said earlier, I'll take what I can get. And in 1996, we got two brand new reunion songs with the original lineup of Van Halen. And I just love those songs. I still love these songs. I think they sound excellent. So both of these are going to be featured here on this particular episode. But for right now, we're going to play the first of two. This is Can't Get This Stuff No More.
After 12 years of not hearing any Van Halen songs with David Lee Roth on vocals, that was just a joy for me to hear. And I don't know how you don't get excited about hearing the beginning of that song, especially just because I just picture like kind of like dimmed lights in the 5150 studios right there. And tell me you don't get kind of a sense of like the intro to Top Jimmy right there at the beginning, the guitar tone that Eddie had on that track. And it just sounds like they just left off where they stopped in 1984 just a thing of beauty right there so that song doesn't get enough love in my opinion but i think it's magical can't get this stuff no more that's from best of volume one which you know they did the volume one curse so they don't have a volume two and 
So yeah, what could have been? But uh, yeah, let's get back into the odds and ends. And we're going to get into Sammy Hagar territory right here. And for those of you who might be listening to this show for the first time, if you're not a longtime friend of the show, but if you're here now, welcome. Uh, I am not a separatist when it comes to Van Halen. I dig Dave and I dig Sammy. I prefer Dave, of course, but Sammy's cool, man. I got no problem with him. I was still an impressionable kid whenever 5150 came out, and I followed them throughout that whole run as well. So no hate for Sammy. I just don't have that kind of time for that kind of separatism and negativity. Yeah, it's it's a different thought. It's a different kind of band for sure. But hey, man, the rest of the band's still there, so it's all good in my book. So I'm sure they got a lot of flack for this whenever Sammy first joined the band, but the whole thing about they're not going to do music videos, because, you know, hey, how can you even try to approach making music videos again, especially on a conceptual level, after Dave was there? And obviously Dave directed those videos and had a big hand in them, as you could tell by what he did after he left the band. But I think it was actually kind of smart, the approach they did for the 5150 album. It definitely still gave them kind of some mysterious angle which they would kind of like do their entire career they weren't a very public band uh but yeah just pretty much using the live footage from the new haven connecticut show which wound up becoming the live without a net dvd home video release but i think doing that was kind of a smart move because it showed that the band still had a lot of energy and they were having fun and i think that live without a net video is excellent i think that performance is just so inspired and they definitely were inspired they were hungry again. They had something to prove for sure. So, and, and everybody's just great in it. So, this to me will always kind of be the version of this song right here. I love the studio version. I Eventually, I got used to it. But I just like the bite and the fun, loose nature of this particular performance right here. And I actually am not going to be playing the studio version later on in the countdown. So, I wanted to include this song somehow. Because it's definitely one of the great Van Halen songs of all time. So here's a nice little back and forth at the beginning between Sammy and Eddie, which I really dig as well. So here you go. From Live Without a Net, this is Van Halen with Sammy, and this is Best of Both Worlds.
right, a little best of both worlds right there. A little heaven right here on earth for sure. Love the lyrics to that song as well. Good stuff right there. And I always think of the dance, you know, that they would do on stage. And I'm sure if you grew up with it, you probably were picturing that same exact thing as a song was playing. I was recently reminded of when Van Halen toured in 1991 on the Fern Lawful Carnal Knowledge tour. And one of their opening acts throughout most of the tour was Alice in Chains. And I was recently reminded that they got into like an epic prank war during the duration of that tour, which culminated with Alice in Chains last night on the tour, where they all just, uh, I don't want to say dressed up, they dressed down, and all of them got into like little bitty nuthugger speedos. Actually, they apparently lifted some Van Halen official panties from the merch table, and they had to turn them around so they'd be protected properly in the front. So they were wearing women's panties on stage, and they jumped in the conga line basically during the best of both worlds dance and the move was always for eddie to like be up front sammy in the middle and mikey in the rear and so they're like part of the train now and eddie doesn't even realize because they just run out there and do it during the beginning of the dance and the picture that got taken during that one particular moment is just priceless if you google van halen allison chains it'll be one of the first photos you see there online so go do that for sure it's it's a great visual because the look on Eddie's face is so completely genuine because he is seeing this for the first time. It's the exact second he turned around and saw Alice in Chains in women's panties doing the uh, best of both worlds strut dance. So just killer stuff. It puts a smile on my face and we definitely need that. We needed that before all this happened, but we definitely need it now. So go look up that photo. It's, it's tremendous. So speaking of Sammy, we're going to stay with the Sammy stuff and... This is definitely an anomaly right here, so I, I needed to include it here on this special in case you've never heard this before. I think I played this a long time ago on the show, but I'm going to play it again. This is the one and only Van Halen song that was recorded for the album but left off, but actually released officially somewhere. So there's this song that was recorded during the balance sessions, a song called Crossing Over, and it didn't make the record, but it actually wound up becoming the bonus track on the Japanese version of Balance, which there's a couple of big differences in that version because there was a big problem with the album cover because uh, the Japanese culture had a, a big problem with the Siamese twin babies on the cover, which they were actually real people, real Siamese twins. And I never knew this before until I looked up a recent article about the album while I was doing my research for this episode. But I never thought about it, but the twins were actually made to kind of appear doing a facsimile of the old Van Halen Wings logo. So that's why they're positioned the way that they are on the, on the seesaw right there. So yeah, so there you go. Fun fact. Uh, but yeah, this song Crossing Over only made it onto the Japanese version of Balance. I think maybe also won an import single. I'm not 100% sure about that. I've got the import single for Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do, but it just has three live songs from Live Right Here Right Now on it. So it may have been out there somewhere, but the, the fact that they never had any other unreleased songs that got put out as import B-sides or even B-sides to 45s, it never happened except this one time. So I figured a lot of people may not have heard this song still, so I'm going to play it here to represent some of the odds and ends of the Van Halen catalog and, of course, Eddie's career right here. This is definitely a massive departure from the band even from the sammy era this is a huge departure it's really out there but i kind of dig it for that reason so here you go from the japanese cd only version of balance this is crossing over 
Crossing over right there from Van Halen. The second to last song that would ever be released, basically, was Sammy Hagar on vocals, uh, for a little while at least. He came back, of course, in 2004 and did three more new songs with him. Uh, but I actually wound up not putting any of those songs on the record. Uh, you know, I, I do like It's About Time actually pretty well. And I like the music on all the songs. But yeah, I, I wound up having to cut them off of these particular episodes. But like I said, look up It's About Time. That's a good song. But uh, it was kind of between that one and this one right here. So I figured I'd play the last song that they would record during the initial Sammy Hagar run before he was fired or quit, depending on who you believe. Interesting history of the fact that no one really knows 100% for sure if either singer quit or was fired. Uh, so that was always a point of contention that they would have with lead singers. That's how it is, you know, in, in the world of Van Halen. You know, it's it kind of became a you versus them thing, it seems sometimes. But uh, yeah, nobody's perfect. And we're going to forgive a lot here in death because there's really no point in mulling over all that bullshit when there's not two sides around to represent you know, the differing opinions. So that's how I feel at least. And hopefully it won't take away the fact that this is a pretty killer song as well. So the only time that Van Halen ever did a specific new song for a soundtrack was for the very mediocre movie Twister in 1996. And actually they did two songs for Twister technically, but Alex pretty much had more to do with the second song than the whole band. It was like Alex with a little bit of Eddie in there. But of course, as a band and with vocals, they had this brand new song right here. And I loved it when it came out. I still love the song. It's pretty, it, it's heavy as hell. And uh, it definitely goes in with balance material, which is why I like balance so much. Uh, but yeah, of course, not much else to say. Just a good one to crank up right here. It's got a nice uh, musical flight course as well, in addition to all the great music that's going on. So here you go from the Twister soundtrack. But I got it from Best of Volume 1 because that's the better CD to get it off of. But this is Humans Being.
from the Twister movie soundtrack and, of course, from the Better Best of Volume 1, also from 1996. That was Van Halen with Humans Being. Great heavy track right there. Everybody's just kind of going nuts there. Apparently there was a lot of contention and anger going on between the band members during that recording, and it's kind of all there in the in the mix. But I think that kind of makes the song for me. But yeah... We are now, as of this next song right here, officially kicking off the countdown, the official Rock Strikes 10 Rock and Rank countdown for the entire catalog of Van Halen. And obviously this has to be it. I I can't imagine that the band isn't over at this point as far as recording under that particular moniker. I would still love to get new music out of all the different members somehow. I would especially love to get a tour And I I truly think that that would be a cool thing to do. But I think I'm going to save all that as a way to plug an upcoming episode of Talking Rock that I'm planning to do with Mark Striegel. So if you're not subscribed already to the Talking Rock feed, then do that. From cnjradio.com, Talking Rock with Mark and Joey. I've got a lot more things to say about what I think all the surviving members of Van Halen could and should do uh, after this whole tragic incident. So... Let's get into the countdown officially, all right? A lot of times, you know, when I do these catalog rankings, I'm like, well, something has to come in at last place. And that's the attitude you take or the the line you take when you're like trying to say, please forgive me for putting this at the bottom. But I don't think I really have to apologize for this. I don't think anybody's going to argue with me right here. And even if they were, it's my show. So, but it should come as no surprise that number 12 on the official Van Halen Rock and Rank catalog special here is Van Halen 3. Yes, Van Halen 3, released on March 17th, 1998, produced by Mike Post and Eddie Van Halen. It's, uh, you know, in retrospect, it's kind of been said that this is an Eddie Van Halen solo album in a sense. Uh, and to an extent, I think that's correct. Uh, there's a lot of problems I have with the album. Not so much going into it, but the execution and everything. So I'll kind of tell you about the positive things I had as far as my journey with this album. Now, when I didn't get the David Lee Roth reunion initially in 1996, I was so sad. I was so mad, and I really, I don't want to say hated Eddie and Alex, but I was definitely very upset with them. And I'm not not saying that Dave probably didn't say the things that he said to them that night, the VMAs. But it was always fire and gasoline with those guys. So I think all parties should have known better, honestly. But that all being said, when they hired Gary Sharon, I was actually pretty damn optimistic. Because, you know, anybody that might have been laughing about that choice, I I say to them, you probably didn't hear the last two Extreme albums, which was Three Sides to Every Story and Waiting for the Punchline. Especially Waiting for the Punchline. Those records are excellent and way better than the album that actually sold, that people bought, uh, Porno Graffiti. Uh, Those two albums blow away that record. So I was optimistic and the fact that the line was, hey, he's going to sing all songs from all eras. So this is going to be the happy medium right here. So I was like, okay, you know what? This is fine. I will accept Gary into this band. So I was excited about the tour and I was initially excited about the record. And then the first single came out, and I didn't love it, but I was like, okay, well, maybe it's still all right. You know, I I never liked a lot of the Sammy singles either. I thought they were a little safe, and I thought they were a little like, eh. 
So I didn't like all the singles. I liked some of them, but I didn't like all the singles they put out with Sammy, but I thought the records were still pretty decent. So I was like, eh, it's probably going to be the same thing. So I still bought the record first day, first in line, I'm sure. And man, I don't think I've ever been more disappointed in a new record purchase ever in my life than Van Halen 3. I've given it a handful of chances over its lifetime and throughout the years, but I just can't do it. I got to say, this time, just yesterday, when I listened through it for the first time in a while, I figured with everything that's happened here, with me missing Eddie already, I figured maybe some of these songs would actually get a pass. And it's probably the most enjoyable listen I've ever had of Van Halen 3, but that's not saying much, unfortunately. So, yeah, I gave it 40 points out of 100. A very, very low ranking and last place by a mile here on the catalog. So, but yeah, I mean, the tour was pretty great, you know, as far as like I've seen a good amount of footage from it. So I would recommend going to watch live clips from the tour. Uh, but some of these songs are just abysmal. There was only one song I gave a full point to. And in the case of all these other entries that we're going to talk about here in the countdown, I'm actually going to represent each album with two songs. But for this one, I can't entertain in any way playing more than one song from it. So I'm only going to play one song to represent Van Halen 3. Fittingly, it's the only song that got a full point in my entire ranking of this album. There were a handful of songs that I actually thought were better this time around and have aged pretty well. But the album just fails because the production's not great. Some of the songs are just too bloated. They're too long. The, the album's just too long in general. And benching Michael Anthony, big mistake. I mean, not that his bass lines were all that hard or anything, but it's mostly just his background vocals, as we all know. And you cannot hear Michael singing hardly anything on this album at all. So Michael is sorely missed. So gone is all the heart and soul of Van Halen on this record. Uh, but yeah, let, let's get back to the music here. The only song that got a full point right here to represent this album, this is Fire in the Hole.
fire in the hole right there to represent Van Halen 3. And yeah, so there you go. I, I like fire in the hole pretty well. I like it musically more than anything else. And once again, I just feel bad for Gary. I feel like he was told to sing a certain way because that's not the voice I was used to by him. I don't think he comes off well on the album as a whole. The lyrics, which I'm sure he wrote most of them, the lyrics are, for the most part, just embarrassing. They're really bad. That and the criticism that he sounded like, you know, Sammy Hagar light, I think are actually pretty on the money. I think there was a conscious effort to make him sound as close to Sammy Hagar as humanly possible. That's the takeaway I always got from this record for sure. So let's move on from Van Halen 3. Let's get back to some positivity right here. Coming in at number 11 on the Rock Strikes 10 Van Halen Rock and Rank special is For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, which was released on June 18th, 1991, co-produced by Andy Johns, Ted Templeman, and Van Halen. And this is a little more like it right here. It's still not great, but almost doubling in points from the last entry here. So yeah, I, I've never loved For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. I appreciated the production on it as far as like the fact that it had a nice big sound to it because especially after OU812 having just such a thin sound, it was nice to hear a nice big beefy sound again and having the rhythm section sound the way they should and having Eddie's guitars sound the way they should. So it's a well-produced album, but I think the fact that it always sounded real labored to me and I think the fact that it took like a year to record it is pretty obvious here in the final product. But, you know, there's a handful of songs I still like a lot on here. But yeah, not a must-own. I would definitely cherry-pick off this record. It also has the distinction of having, in my opinion, the worst Van Halen song with either of the two initial singers. The song Spanked is absolutely freaking embarrassing, both musically, but especially lyrically. Ugh, it's so freaking terrible. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. Uh, but there's some great songs on here as well. Uh, and I'm going to play you right here, uh, two songs that I really love off this record. So we're going to start with a two for here, the first of many to come for the rest of this countdown. So to represent the For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge album, we're going to start it off with Judgment Day. <laughs>
representing the four unlawful carnal knowledge record. That was Judgment Day, followed by Top of the World. Definitely an obvious sequel to Jump, but I still love it, probably for that reason. Uh, the Fuck album came in at 75 out of 100 points. Good enough for the number 11 positioning. So yeah, let me know what you think about these last two right here. Would you have put these albums at the bottom too? Let me know, of course. Before we get out of here, we do have one more song to play, and I was saving this one for the end. Another one of my favorite Van Halen moments of all time once again occurred in 1996 with the two reunion tracks with David Lee Roth. I couldn't leave this one out. I still get chills every time I hear this song and always puts a smile on my face. I'll never forget hearing this for the first time. And man, I think it's just a damn shame that when they did finally get back with Dave full time and they toured with him a handful of times that they never played this song. Damn shame. But it's a freaking burner and a half. So here you go. No better way to close off a show than with me, Wise Magic.
Alright, a little me-wise magic right there. Oof, great stuff. Uh, nothing much else to say, it's just a damn rocker. And uh, yeah, I, I gotta say that, like I said, I love those two reunion tracks. Produced by Glenn Ballard, actually, who's not known as being like a real heavy producer. But the only things of note that I know that he produced off the top of my head were some of Aerosmith's Nine Lives. And of course, he's famous for producing Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, which I can't stand. But, you know, he did a good job. Whatever he did on those tracks, he did a great job. <laughs> Even if it was just turning the knobs. Great knob turning there, Glenn. So yeah, Me Wise Magic. Love it. Off of Best Of Volume 1. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get out of here for the day. I say for the day. We'll be back tomorrow with Part 2. And the day after for Part 3. Yes, we're going to count down the Big Ten. The top ten Van Halen albums of all time. According to me, get your pitchforks out. There's going to be some differences. But hopefully not too many pitchforks. Because, you know, I'm a fan. We all have our own opinions. But, uh... If you're intrigued to hear mine, stay tuned for the next two episodes. And if you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. Definitely get your pad and pencil or your Google Doc out. Here come the plugs with my better half, Nola, and also the best damn outro song in the business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is rockstrikes10 at gmail.com When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rockstrikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message us for more details or to order. U.S. or APO boxes only. For now. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all of the episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, please check out our other quality shows, including The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other, The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative, the Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock, with Joey and the great Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl podcast, with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. <laughs>